today. It's a good day in the house, isn't it? Woo! Yeah. So thankful for what God's been doing through Nicole Jones, and we've been praying for her as she went out there. And that's just a small snapshot of the stories. Welcome home, Nicole. And it's good to have John Newfeld in the house. Amen? Yeah. Should we have him back again sometime? I think so. Yeah. Thank you, John, and thank you, worship team, for leading us in God's presence this morning. Very, very well done. We appreciate all of you. I really sense that God is up to something tonight. Do you sense that? You've been feeling that all week? I've been praying into this healing night that we've been preparing for for a long time. Went for a prayer walk last night at one of my outside places. It was cold and windy. I put my hoodie up. I probably looked like a, you know, a bad person just kind of skulking around. But I'm like, I don't care if it's cold and windy. I am praying for God to do something amazing tonight. He's going to touch many, many lives. I hope you can join us tonight. Everyone's welcome to come here at 6.30. And you can also even show up early to pray if you want. Uh, there'll be a few people here at 5 o'clock p.m. or so. Just make yourself at home. Come on in here and pray. Use this prayer card that we gave you last week uh, if you want to come early for prayer. And we start at 6.30. And thank you for praying all through this last week. God is going to do something that only God can do. And he wants to heal people. That is his nature that's the essence of God. He says, I am the Lord who heals you. That is his name. And uh, I really believe that he is going to do something amazing tonight. I hope you can be with us. Well, we're in number five of six in our series called The God Who Heals. And if you missed any of the messages or if you're new with us, you can watch them or uh, listen to them online on our website, all previous messages. I encourage you to do that. Last week, I really felt that Pastor Nick really knocked it out of the park. Would you say so? Woof, yes, and uh, he, he gave a message on the healing of the soul, uh, which is also part of the healing that God does. God not only heals the outside of our lives, our bodies, but he's also going after our hearts, and he wants healing to occur in the inner life. So if you missed that, I encourage you to listen to it. And our goal in this series is just to lay a solid biblical foundation for teaching on healing so that we can move on from there into those things that the Lord is calling us into, so we can use this as a launch pad and a foundation for what's in store in the future. And today we're going to anchor our talk on authority to heal in a few important passages. So if you have a Bible, you can mark this, um, turn to the pages. If you don't have a Bible, there are some at the back. You can just help yourself to one. And if you don't own one, keep it. It's our gift to you. Uh, but just note these passages, and uh, they are John 14 at verse 12, uh, Matthew chapter 10, and then Luke 7, that's a chapter, and then Luke 10 and Luke 9. <laughs> just changed the order up on you. John 14, Matthew 10, Luke 7, Luke 10, and Luke 9. And we'll throw in some other verses sprinkled in there as well. Now, I'm not going to repeat everything that we've covered in the series so far. You know, and sometimes I, I, I feel like we need to, but we can't because of time. And so if you're here this morning and it's the first time you're hearing a talk on healing, and you might think, oh, he didn't address this and he didn't address that. Well, actually, we're in a series. <laughs> and we had to spread these messages out so that they could build on each other. And I think we've covered most of the important areas. And uh, you can watch those and listen to those, and it may help you to figure out what you believe about healing. I do want to let you know that today's message is going to end with an opportunity for you to receive Jesus into your life uh, and to go out in his name and to be a witness for him and to love people in his name 
and to be a vessel of goodness in this world. So I just encourage you to open your heart to that. Here's really what we're focusing on today. Jesus wants to heal people through us. Oh, that's so amazing. He wants to heal people through us. And so if you're following Jesus, if you're believing in him, your life is going to eventually connect to the reality that at some point you're going to be praying for people to be healed. It's God's will for us to be involved in that. So I want to start by looking at Luke chapter 7 in the New Testament, verse 21. And the scriptures will be up on the screen. You can just look at them there if you don't have a Bible. And here's what it says. At that time, that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Then he said this, Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. These are the works of Jesus that he told us were part of his ministry and his mission in this world. He came to reach lost people. He came to restore broken humanity. He came to heal those who had deafness in their ears. He came to set captives free. He came to proclaim good news so that everybody who's in a prison of shame or condemnation could be loosed from that and have an encounter with the living God and be rescued. These are the works of Jesus. And we might think, well, that's so incredible. I'm so glad that we have a Savior who 2,000 years ago did those works and reached out to many people and, and, and gave evidence of the kingdom of God. I'm so glad that in our history as Christians, we can refer back to that moment. It helps us a little bit. But that was then and this is now. And we're living in a world where we don't see a lot of these things take place. Here's where Jesus shifts the gears on us. And I want you to look at John 14 and verse 12 because he really opens up for us some new territory. For every one of you, hear me on this, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, if you are personally trusting in him for your salvation, what I'm about to read applies to you and to me. John 14, verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. These are incredible words spoken by Jesus. All of the believers, any age, any generation, any time frame, whoever believes in him, they will do the works that he has done. And what were those works? They involved healing. This means something for us, friends. This means that we are involved in Jesus' own efforts to touch people's lives in this world. Now, this phrase here, very truly, if you look at it in the original language, it's the word amen, or amin, actually. And it's a double verity. It means second time saying it. So it's amin, amin. And uh, I was in touch with Rob Reamer this week. Rob's a friend of this house, a teacher, an author, and and speaker, and I said, hey, Rob, last time you were in Airdrie at Soul Care, you mentioned something about this phrase, verily, verily. 
truly, truly, which, which Jesus gave here in John 14, 12. And I said, can you unpack that for me again? And so Rob shared with me, he said, this is a formulaic expression that Jesus only uses when he's about to drop a big revelation on his followers, and it's so huge for them that he begins it by saying, truly, truly. Like, you got to get this. And I would add that uh, as people receive these words, they can only make sense of them if the Father opens up understanding for you to receive it. John 14, 12 is a life-changing verse for me because it pushes all of us, I think, into the realization that whatever Jesus did on earth, in his name, we can go out and do the same. Oh, that is so huge. So huge. And if the works of Jesus were to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, proclaim good news, then we're to do likewise. Now, I think a lot of people look at John 14, 12 in churches and they go, I'm not so sure about that. Ah, that's just your interpretation. Well, I go, well, what's your interpretation? And sometimes it goes like this. People read John 14, 12 and they say, I think that Jesus is just using some words here to kind of say, you're going to have a really amazing, extraordinary life. Just kind of generalizing things. That's not how Jesus spoke on other occasions. That's not his style. Uh, Or someone might say, I think Jesus was actually exaggerating. This can't be true. And so he's making it up. Well, no, Jesus was talking about works here. The works that I was doing, you're going to do these works, he said. Uh, Or he may have been saying something that was just a mistake. It came out of his mouth and he's like, oops, I can't retract that. They're writing it down. It's going to be in a Bible later. No, Jesus never made a mistake with his mouth. He never gave falsehood. So then we are left with this. What Jesus says in this passage is true. Whoever believes in me, that includes you if you're a believer, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. In other words, I'm leaving this world. I'm going to be seated at the Father's right hand, and you're going to carry it on. You're going to keep the healing thing going. Oh, if that doesn't rock you a little bit, then you need coffee or something. I don't know. Yeah. So guess what, friends? God has entrusted to us and to any church who will dare to believe it the ministry called healing. Now, I know we're looking at healing here, but really healing should always be seen in the context of the proclaiming of the gospel, the announcing of salvation through Jesus. And so we don't want to just look at healing all by itself, but we're unpacking it as it's part of the whole kingdom experience. And Jesus is our forerunner in this. He's our model of what it means to minister in the kingdom of heaven. This is what we do. This is who we are. We're called to do the greater works and That word in the original means mega, the mega works. I'm not believing that it's 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 better than what Jesus did or had done, but it'll be more in number, greater, magnified. And so, as we go into this talk this morning, I just want to highlight a couple things about this reality that Jesus wants to heal people through you. And the first thought is this: you've got what you need. You've got what you need. It's been given to you. And you're involved in receiving it and, and making use of it, but you've got what you need. 
And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in him, you can access authority to heal. So let's look at that in Luke chapter 9 at verses 1 and 2. And then over to verse 6. Luke 9, 1 and 2. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Down to verse 6. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So what did he give them? Shout it out. Power and authority. Let's say that together. Power and authority given to the original 12. To do what? To proclaim good news, drive out demons, and cure diseases. And they went out, and did it happen? Did it work? It worked. Okay. So some people say, well, that's just the original 12 apostles. And we're so thankful for them, too. And we're so glad that they're part of the Christian history. But that was then, and this is now. And And that doesn't happen anymore. Well, this is when Jesus opens up the territory yet again. And I want you to look at Luke chapter 10 at verse 1, and then verse 9, and then verse 17. Words are on the screen. Okay, so he's already sent out the 12, given them what? Authority and power. Now there's another group of people that are about to be sent out. Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Down to verse 9. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Down to verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord... Even the demons submit to us in your name. They were so excited about this. They came back and they realized as they're telling Jesus, you know what, we have authority over the demons. And in Jesus' name, we just tell them to stop hassling people and they stop right away. They're dealing with ground level entities. And then Jesus says this astounding statement, verse 19, or verse, verse 19. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, you think your story's so good. I saw the head one, Satan, fall like lightning from heaven. And then he says this, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Wow. That's a monumental moment in the scriptures, friends, when the 72 were sent out. Why is it monumental? Because it means it was not something that only the 12 were involved in. It went to a whole other level. And from that day on, Jesus has commissioned his church in every generation to carry it forward, the ministry of healing. So we have what we need. We've been given authority and power. Let me try to unpack that for a moment because I think sometimes we don't really know what those things stand for. Let's talk about authority to heal. And uh, the word authority means out of relationship. It's the word exousia, out of relationship. In other words, it means that you have the right, you have the authorization to exercise on behalf of someone greater than you what they want done. You have authority to act in their name. Just like a police officer has authority to act on behalf of the laws of our province 
or the state. They've been given authority. Now, this doesn't happen often, but sometimes people dress up like cops, but they're not cops. You know what I mean? And apparently, I have, I have cop friends. They tell me they don't like those people. It really bothers them, and it should. Uh, there are people who dress up like policemen or policewomen, and you know, they might even have a car that looks like that, but they have no authority given to them. Why? Because they've not been commissioned as, a, as an officer of the law. So they have nothing that they can use to make anything happen. But real police officers, they have real authority. And aren't you glad for that? Can you imagine if you saw a bank getting robbed and you know, the police show up and they don't have authority and so they, they say to the bank robber, hey, you know what, if you would just kind of just put all that money back, we'd really we'd be happy and, and we could all have a nice day. It doesn't, doesn't work that way, right? They use the authority and we want them to. And then there's power to heal. And it's not your power or my power, it's his power. Now I've got a question for you. Where does the power of God come from? Anybody know? Third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit gives us that power. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses for me. The power comes from above, from the Lord himself, through the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed with this power himself in Luke chapter 4 after he was baptized in water. By the way, baptisms are coming up. If you haven't been baptized yet as a follower of Jesus, November 19th, we're having it on a Sunday night. Jesus, after his baptism, is anointed with power in the Holy Spirit, and then he goes out and starts the work of the kingdom. And then in Luke chapter 24 at verse 49, after his resurrection, he says this to some of his followers. He says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Why would he say that? Uh, he would say that because he knows they're going to need power. Authority's not enough. You need authority and you need power in order to do the work of the kingdom. And God provides both for us. Back to the police world again. You know, what is the power that they hold? They already have authority. I think their power is their Glock pistol. It's, it's powerful. They can stop people with it. Or it's their taser. Or it's their car. Or it's their backup helicopter. Or whatever it is. And we're thankful that there are people who have authority and power who right wrongs in our culture. Aren't we glad for that? And we thank God for the police officers in our church. We have many of them here. And we, we honor you for what you do. I'm glad I don't have your job, but I, I do honor you. And I thank God for you. And of course, there's a training element in getting used to your authority and power. That's true in all parts of life. Same with us in the kingdom. Yes, the authority of God has been opened up to you, but how do you access that? How in the world do you access it? You access it by faith. How do you get power in your life? Well, power is a little different than authority because your authority you can claim, but power you can only receive. It's got to be deposited into you and onto you. So you need a certain kind of posture for that. Here's some of the things that we're learning as a church about this whole realm, we, we've learned this, that when we're weak, he's strong. 
I don't know why God set it up that way. I would think that when I feel strong, he's strong. But that's not what the Bible says. When I am weak, he is strong. Okay, so that's, that's one thing we're learning. Uh, also, we're learning this. It requires deep intimacy with God to access his authority and power. Deep intimacy with God. In other words, living a life of worship as, as John and the worship team modeled for us today. Living in the zone of the Father's presence every single moment of our lives. Hungering for him. Praying. Listening to God. Exalting him in our lives every single day. Feeding on his word, the Bible. Growing in our faith. All of that enables us to access things like authority and power. We're also learning that we have to sit still. And we have to, at times, wait for God to do what only God can do. That we can't manufacture anything. Uh, obviously, in the area of healing, we know this. We can't do anything. So whatever happens tonight, it's like, it's God. We just tell people, we have no power in ourselves to heal anyone. Only Jesus heals people. And it's in his name that we will pray for them and trust for their need. So we have what we need. And uh, also another thing that we can realize as ours is there's the possibility of gifts for healing. Some of you have been given gifts for healing. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says there are gifts of healing. And they're plural. Gifts, not gift, gifts. Gordon Fee says about that, he says that the manifestation is given not to the person who is healed, but to the person God uses for the healing of another person. And the gifts are situational. In other words, someone can't say, I've got the gift of healing, and I can use it whenever I want. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. You might want to. It's situational. And God creates circumstances where he prepares people and places and things, and then he says to someone, get ready, I'm going to give you a gift for healing right now. Here it comes. You get it. And then it's to be used in that setting. You're to go and pray for someone, and then the healing occurs because it was given by God for a situation. And like any spiritual gift, it's got to be stewarded, and we need training in it. We need to learn about it, and we need to explore how to use it, of course. But you've got everything you need. Even if you don't have the gift of healing or healings, you still have access to the authority and power, and it's enough. Here's the second thing I want to mention to you. The time is now. I mean, now. Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let me just stop for a moment there. When, when we see this in the life of Jesus, we have to say to ourselves, that's one of the preparations for a healing ministry. That we start to see people the way he sees them, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That we have compassion for them. It's about love. And if we don't love people... I don't think God's going to heal anybody through us. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Oh, that disturbs me. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the time is now. 
And, you know, I'm not a farmer. I wasn't raised in that way. I was raised in a fishing family, and we were out in the lake most days, and I visited farms, and my grandfather was a farmer, and I did not get farming. I'm not wired for it. But I know enough about farming to know this, that when it's harvest time, you don't fool around, right? You get that crop off the field, and you get it off now. And there are farmers that will arrange, you know, for combines to be borrowed, and they will... They will go round the clock. They've got lights, and they'll just go all day long changing drivers, and food will be brought to them because they're getting the harvest off the field. Why? Because it's ready. So when Jesus is talking about the harvest field here, he's using a phrase here to bring some alertness to the moment. He's saying, I want you to see something. There is a harvest that is ready to be reaped. It is not a harvest of grain, but it is a harvest of souls. And the fields are white. They're ready. On another occasion, he said, lift up your eyes and see. Just look. Don't you see what's happening in humanity? Don't you see how many people are so close to the kingdom of God? They're right there. They do want in. They just need someone, some man, some woman, some teenager, some young adult to explain to them how to get in. Lift up your eyes and see. And I got to say this, that the truth of this should land on us in any generation because Jesus said it's always harvest time. doesn't matter if we're living in the 21st century or the 15th century. It's always harvest time. And I also want to say that I think there's also unique moments when the harvest is really easy. Guess what? Guess what? We're living in times when the harvest is really easy right now. I remember back in the 90s when I started as a pastor... I mean, the culture was so resistant to the gospel. If you had like one conversation with one person who was not yet a believer, I mean, you could, you could phone your district superintendent and he'd give you a high five. It's like, well, because it was hard back then. And it's changed a lot now. The materialistic 80s are over. The pessimistic 90s have gone. Now we're into the globalization of the world. Now... With the millennial generation, wow, we now have people who are saying, I sense that I need something that's authentic, that's beyond me. And this is a great moment to be alive in human history because the millennial generation is saying, show me what Jesus is about. Tell me. Let let me figure it out in my own way, but I want you to share with me what I need to know about him. And so, friends, there's unprecedented openness to the kingdom of God right now, like never before. The fields are white. In a culture of Netflix and Facebook and social media, there are people who are saying, I know that there's something in my heart that is saying, there's got to be a transcendent purpose to my life, why I'm here. You're a Christian. What have you got to say about it? I think that God is just preparing us as individuals and as a church to be ready to reap a harvest of souls like we've never seen before. Amen. Do we realize it's harvest time? Do we realize that this can actually happen through our lives because Jesus wants to do it through us? So what would that look like for you? I don't know, but it might look like this. If you're a stay-at-home parent, maybe you're a young mom, you've got three kids, and you're like, how do I get involved in a healing ministry for Jesus. Well, it might look like this. You have a friend down the street. She's a stay-at-home mom, and, and you've been friends for a while. You've been having coffee together, and you find out she just got diagnosed with some disease. Maybe it's colitis or something. 
Guess who God will send to her? It's most likely you. And so you go over to your friend's house and you say something like this, hey, um, I've been thinking about you a lot and praying for you and I just want you to know I'm learning a lot about how God heals people and would it be okay if I just took like two minutes and prayed for you to be healed? I hear you got diagnosed with colitis and I just want to pray for you. I, I want to ask Jesus to heal you. Would that be okay? I would tell you this, that I think most people would say, sure, go ahead. They would say, sure, try or you might be at work and some coworker comes in, they were in a car accident, and they've got a broken leg and they're kind of hobbling in on crutches and you haven't seen them for a week or so, they're in to get some medical forms and, and you look at them and they say hi to you and you realize, here's my healing moment. And you go up to them and you say, hey, you know what, I've been praying for you and I've been learning a lot about healing and uh, how to step out in faith and ask God for that. I believe God can heal you. Can I like pray for you? Take about two minutes. Person says, yeah, let's go in the photocopy room, right? Sure, we go in the photocopy room. And then the question is, well, how do you pray for them? Well, it's not that complicated, and there's no formula, right? So don't get you know, worried about that. It's got to be exactly in this order, or these things have to be said. No, no, no. There's great variety in the scriptures, but I think it could include things like this. You pray for them to be healthy. <laughs> that was a joke. It didn't land very good. <laughs> you pray for them to get well. And uh, you ask in the name of Jesus for this. And this is not one of those, oh God, if it be your will, and I don't think it is because you don't do much as, no, no, no. You don't pray like that. Healing prayer is like this. In the name of Jesus and in the authority of his name and through his power, I call for the healing of my friend's leg right now. And then you pray for whatever happened to them to be reversed. I pray for the broken bone to be reset. I, I pray for the sinews to reattach together. You don't have to pray that, but you could pray that. And I pray for pain to be gone in the name of Jesus. There, that's it. And then you say to them, do you feel anything? And they're like, well, maybe. You know? and, and if not, pray again. Pray two times, three times. And then if something doesn't happen, because I know a lot of us are wondering, what happens if it doesn't happen? You say to them something like this, you know what? It hasn't happened yet. Um, but God loves you, and maybe your healing is going to take place later. I don't know. Um, but we're going to keep praying for you, and I'll keep checking in on you. But keep believing God for this. Keep leaning into this and trusting him for it. And they're going to go, okay. I was at a restaurant this summer with a young couple, and the waitress came by, and she was hobbling on one leg, and, and uh, we decided to pray for her for healing. This is in a restaurant on a Saturday. It's busy. And uh, so she stood right at the table. She said, yeah, you can pray for me. And we prayed for her, and we said, any change in your leg? You know, if, if 10 is bad pain and 1 is nothing, where is it at? And she said, oh, you know, it went from a 10 to a 7. And we went, oh, okay, so something happened. So we prayed two more times. You know, and, and, and there's people coming in, and there's tables to clean and all that. And uh, it never changed beyond that. And so she said, i got to get back to work. And we're like, that's okay. We'll still keep praying for you. I went back there a week later. And I found that waitress. I said, you know what? We were kind of rushed last week. And uh, can I pray for you again? She's like, oh, you Christians, she says. <laughs> Seriously. She says, are you from that church over there? Like the Alliance Church people? I'm like, yeah, I'm one of them too. And, uh, and she's, okay, go ahead and pray again. I said, okay. So in the name of Jesus, I pray for the healing of my friend's leg. It was a leg issue, da, da, da. And uh, it went from a 10 to a 5. And she said, it's pretty good. I went, not done though, right? So we prayed again. It never moved beyond five. 
Don't know why? I said God still loves you. He wants to bless you. Hasn't happened yet fully. We'll keep praying for you. She's like, okay, thanks, sweetie. Off she went, right? (laughs) Seriously, this is how open it is in the culture. You no longer have to fear these things. People are like, yeah, bring it on. If it works, I might believe the God that you believe in. So try it. This reminds me of something that happened two years ago in my house. Uh, my wife and I opened up our home to have some young adults over, and they, they brought some guitars, and we were you know, singing worship songs. It was like a memory uh, trip for me down memory lane when I was in my early 20s, and we used to sit around in the living room singing worship songs. And back then they called it Singspirations, which killed the whole thing, right? It's just leave it alone. Don't call it anything. Just let God show up. But here we are, you know, Years later in my life, and I'm in a living room with a bunch of young people, and they're singing their hearts out to Jesus. This is good. And one of them is there. His name is Andrew Buchanan. He was about 26 years old at the time. And uh, Andrew had um, um, uh, a collarbone that did not heal properly. He had broken it at age 16. Ten years later, it was, it was, something was weird in it, and it had gotten worse to the point that he couldn't even use his arm, his, where the collarbone was attached, to move a mop in the job that he had. So he's like a one-armed guy at work, right? Ten years, pain in his collarbone. And one of the young adults, Lucas Daly, who just got married yesterday, said out loud, hey, why don't we pray for Andrew's collarbone to be healed? We're like, sure. So all the young adults swarm Andrew. They all lay hands on him, and they're praying for healing, and, and they're just going for it. And, you know, about ten minutes goes by, and I thought, I better rescue Andrew because he's smothered. He can't even breathe, right? These people are just hovering all over him. So I said, hey, guys, let's give Andrew a break. I said, Andrew, how are you doing? He says, well, I want you to know I don't believe in healing like this. I don't think this can actually happen, but you're going to try. Go ahead. We're like, okay. So Lucas prays again, and some other young adults start praying, and we say, test it out. And he says, well, there's a little change going on here. Oh, funny thing. Something's actually moving in there that couldn't move before. And we prayed for him again, and after about two times, he said, I think, I think it might have happened. You know what he did? As God is my witness. He got down on the floor and did a one-arm push-up on that arm. And he said, it's healed, and I don't even believe in this. <laughs> oh! Yeah! Happens. Young adults, through your life, Jesus will heal people. Through your life. Those of us who are past the young adult age, we need to come up to speed with what God wants to do through us. And he does want to touch people's lives through you. One more thing we need to look at here about this assignment we're given, and it goes like this. We are the ones that he is sending. He's sending us. It's been true throughout all history. And um, I was reading a book by Dr. Randy Clark on healing, and he quotes from original sources of the post-apostolic fathers who said in their times the healing ministry of Jesus continued. So people like Justin Martyr, Tertullian, Origen, Irenaeus, and you can see the dates when they lived, all of them have documented their words and they've been given to us to remind us that there still was a healing ministry after the time of the apostles. Can we have that screen up, that slide? Thank you. There is a healing ministry that took place after the life of the apostles. And then let me add to their names, Athanasius, Gregory of Nicinius, Basil the Great, Gregory of Nyssa, and then St. Augustine. Now, 
If you have a Catholic background, like many of you, I think, do, this should encourage you. Because even St. Augustine went on record to say in his book, The City of God, great book, that under his leadership there were 70 healings in two years in Hippo in North Africa. It's in the record. It's not something that you can dismiss and say it didn't happen. Fast forward the clock to the 1900s, and we have a man by the name of John G. Lake. John G. Lake, a prince of a man, a guy who, who just said yes to Jesus in every significant moment of his life. And he started healing homes in Portland and in Spokane and other places. He had first went to South Africa as a missionary, planting churches, and tens of thousands of people were healed there. Then he came back home. And John G. Lake had the reputation of where he lived. I think it was Spokane, where they said it's the healthiest city in America. People by the bucket loads were being healed in the healing homes under the ministry of John G. Lake. Here's one story from that era. They don't mention last names because they were being um, respectful. He says this, Mrs. S. of Council Crest, Portland, a beautiful, cultured, high-class woman, became diseased so that a score of physicians and institutions assured her there was no possibility of recovery through medical assistance. The disease progressed until she was a skeleton. Her throat became so badly affected from the disease that her power of speech was almost entirely ruined, and her mind became affected. She was brought to the healing rooms ministered to, and as prayer was offered and hands laid upon her, the power of God came mightily upon her, and the disease was destroyed. Ah, yes, I've read so many of these accounts in his autobiography. The next page, which would take too long to go through, he tells the story of a girl who died, and she had been dead for 22 minutes without a heartbeat, and they prayed over her, and she came back to life. Jesus is calling every generation into the same thing. Our founder, A.B. Simpson, who started the Alliance Movement, which claims to be a healing movement, holiness movement, he said this, the age of miracles is not past. The word of God never indicated a hint of such a fact. On the contrary, they are to be among the signs of the last days. And the very adversary himself is to counterfeit them and send forth at last the spirits of devils working miracles unto the kings of the earth so that the only true defense against the false miracles will be the true. We are in the age which lies between two advents and underneath the eye of a ceaseless divine presence, the age of power, the age which above all other ages of time should be intensely alive. Amen. I love the words of A.B. Simpson. Now, I want to just end this talk by reminding us all that we are the ones he's sending. God has no other plan. He's got no other scheme. It's you and I that he sends out. And in a moment, I want you to do something. I want you to say out loud your name. And when we all do it together, don't worry, people won't hear your name because they're just going to hear a bunch of noise. But it'll fit the end of the message here. So I'm looking at Matthew chapter 9. We're back where we were earlier. Just going to recap it there. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Then he says this, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And then it says, Jesus called. Say your name out loud. Three, two, one. Alexander. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. And here are their names. Real people. People who, like you and I, want the best in life and who want our lives to be going in some good direction. Jesus called them. And he said, it's going to be through you. In your time. In your way. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And you're going to carry this on. You're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You're going to feed the poor. You're going to proclaim the gospel to those who are in prison. You're going to set captives free. You're going to be the healing team, people, who reach out to your city where you live. So I just have to ask us, friends, I have to ask us if we know that we have what we need. Do we realize that the time is now and if we embrace this, that we are the ones that he is sending? Let's stand together. We're going to pray for a moment. We're not done yet, so hang with us just for a couple more minutes. Jesus wants to heal people through us. And I have to ask us, what is holding us back? For some of us, it might be, I didn't know these things. That's fair. I, I was at that point in my life for quite a while until I realized the reality of this is the gospel of Jesus has enabled us to do this in his name. For some of us, it might be fear. I don't know if I can actually dare to pray for someone. And that fear has to be surrendered to the cross of Jesus. He wants to heal people through you. For some of us, it might be unbelief. We've got to wrestle that to the ground. Unbelief is really a sin. Weak faith can be transformed, but unbelief is always outside of the realm of what God will work through. So we need to bring our faith as small as it is and say to Jesus, enlarge our faith. Strengthen us so that we can go out in your name and we can represent you and we can see you do this through our lives. All believers were commissioned to heal people. In Mark 16, it says, These signs shall follow them that believe. One of them is they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Let's pray. I want us to pray with hearts wide open to God right now. This is a go forward moment. Our lives are going to change in the next 60 seconds, one way or the other. We're either going to be more surrendered to the call of Jesus in our life or we're going to say yes to him for the first time. And I know that there's some people here in this room, every Sunday God brings special people here to hear that it's possible for them to start a relationship with God in which they will know him, in which they will have a new beginning, He will take the burdens out of their lives and he will fill them with his presence. And so if you're here this morning and your heart is saying to you, it's time to come home to God. 
time to come back to the Father God who made me, I want you right now to just pray with me a simple prayer. It doesn't take long. Just pray these words with me right now. God, I think you're talking to me today, and I need you. Thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for my sins. I repent of my sins. Forgive me of them. And restore me to you, O oh God. Restore me to you. Make me your son. Make me your daughter. Be my Lord and Savior. I put my life in your hands. I want to be a new creation. I want to begin this life that will never end with Jesus. So I say yes to him right now. Jesus, I receive you. Be my Lord, be my King. Thank you that you've come into my life. I'm going to trust you from this day forward. Friend, if you just prayed that prayer with me and meant it, God has started something new inside of you. It'll never end. You belong to him. And he's going to work things in you that you've never dreamed possible. You belong to him now. You're his son, you're his daughter. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. I encourage you to keep walking with him. Find a good church where you can settle in and be part of it. Read God's word. Get baptized. Follow Jesus as your Lord. For the rest of us, we pray, Lord, right now, we're getting ready to say something that will commit us to the mission. And the phrase is, send me. So friend, when you've got your heart ready to say it out loud, I want you to, in a moment, say it out loud with me. Because Jesus is going to send people out of this room today. And they're going to go out in his name. And they're going to do some amazing things. So Lord, with a heart of faith, I say to you right now, send me. Send me, Lord. I want to be sent. I'm saying yes to it. There's no other way to live. There's no greater prize than the kingdom. And I want to be your living testimony. So send me. Send me. Wherever you want me to go. And in your name, Lord, may there be people who are made well. May there be people who come out of darkness. May there be people who step into the light. May there be people who find their true purpose. Because you, God, are reaching them. Send me. Send me. Thank you that you're doing it right now. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's give the Lord our appreciation, our worship. Amen. All right. So if you have a need in your life, you want to come up and declare something, come on up here. Our ministry team will be here. You might just want to come and say, Lord, send me. If you have a need for healing, we'll pray for it right now. The rest of us, be blessed. We hope to see you tonight. God be with you.